Hey, one fans, Andy here. We're going to Cisco Live, and we can't wait to see you there. If we see you wearing an A1 or Cables to Cloud shirt at Cisco Live, we'll enter you in our giveaway that includes a bunch of cool prizes like an A1 branded Yeti cup and an OCG of your choice from our friends at Cisco Press. Don't have a shirt? No problem. Head to the link in our bio and grab yours today. See you soon. This is the Art of Network Engineering podcast. In this podcast, we explore tools, technologies, and talented people. We aim to bring you information that will expand your skill sets and toolbox and share the stories of fellow network engineers. Welcome to the Art of Network Engineering podcast. My name is Andy Laptev. You can find me on, where am I? Permit IP, andyandy.com. I will soon be off all socials and that's where you'll find me. Uh, I am joined tonight by Rocket Girl, Lexi Cooper. How you doing, Lex? Uh, I'm really tired today, but I'm all right. <laughs> I had a long I day. I like tired Lexi. Uh, you, do you? Is tired Lexi your favorite Lexi? Tired Lexi's fun. She is, yeah. What happened at work that you're so tired? Well, I won't get into the nitty gritty, but I've uh, been working with FPGAs, and I'm not trying to like flex by saying that or something. I just... I, I don't program I don't them, but I'm trying is. to test them Can you out. Tell me what that okay, acronym cool. means. And FPGA means field programmable gate array, I think. Field programmable something something. Yeah, okay. I'm getting confirmation. Thank you. All right, cool. Um it's uh it's like a board that you tell to do shit and you can tell it to do other shit if you don't like what you told it before. That's my So wait. Is this an ASIC? This isn't an ASIC. No, it is different from an ASIC. I'm gonna jump in and say you should ahead, you should watch my talk about ASICs for network engineers. The way I describe <laughs> it over simply is an ASIC is welded down and an FPGA can be programmed. It's like a it's like a superset of an ASIC. And the trade-off mm-hmm. is usually uh power and heat. And so an FPGA can do all of the things of an ASIC and more, but usually gener- takes more power and generates more heat. Huh. Wow. Okay, well, this would be a good time to introduce our topic and our guests. So um, that was FPGAs. the uh, illustrious <laughs> FPGAs. That, well, thank you, Lexi. Thank you for telling us something about work, because that rarely ever happens. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, the voice we just heard was Pete Lumbus. Hi, Pete. Hey, thanks for having me, y'all. Thanks, man. Who are you? Where do you work? Uh, I'm Pete Lumbus. I work at a startup called Upbound that is in the Kubernetes space. I... Uh, I'm a recovering technical marketing engineer, and I currently do documentation. <laughs> so that's a nice foreshadowing to our topic. So um, I'm about to introduce our other awesome guests, but we are talking all things TME tonight, technical marketing engineer. Um, it's a fascinating role that if you haven't heard about, um, you should listen to this episode because it's awesome. Um the person who helped me discover what a TME was, was our other guest, Wes Kennedy. What's up, Wes? Howdy. How are you guys? Good, man. Where do you work? So uh, I was uh, I was yanked into NVIDIA by Pete, uh, who then promptly left me there. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a TME at NVIDIA covering the Bluefield DPU product. 
uh, formerly at Nutanix, and then I had a short layover somewhere else between. So the DPU is something product. That's not like gaming rigs or um, uh, IFPS frame rates for gamer nerds, right? This is strap totally- some ARM processors on a CX6 and call it something else. Ooh, talk dirty. <laughs> I like it's like it. the super boring side of NVIDIA. You know, like you're yeah. in NVIDIA and they're like, look at this sweet Fortnite thing and these like self-driving cars and you just made a package. Hey man, can burr. you get me a 4090? <laughs> <laughs> so we have one TME and one recovering TME. Is that correct? Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, to give you a little us. bit more, um, I was a director of technical marketing at NVIDIA um, before that at Cumulus. Um, I, I ended up running technical marketing at Cumulus after being a technical marketing engineer. Um, and then I think as part of the valuable experience, I was rejected from at least three different technical marketing engineer jobs at Cisco when I worked there years ago. So I have both of the, the success and the failure of technical marketing. You applied for three different Cisco TME jobs and they rejected you? Is that Yeah, a bunch of different reasons, but yes. <laughs> Not because of your glowing personality and your charming demeanor, right? <laughs> that was, I plead the fifth. <laughs> so to, just to provide some context, um, I learned, uh, you know, why I, I came to our team and said, you know, I really want to do a TME panel because it's a fascinating role and I'd never heard of it and I'd been in tech a long time. So um, I wanted to, I was looking for another job. And I was really thinking about pivoting out of operations because, you know, maintenance windows are great and on-call outages and that never gets old. Um, So um, I started looking around, surveying, you know, what else was out there. And I honestly forget how TME came up on my radar, but it did. And I think I sent out a tweet. Hey, are there any TMEs out there that would be willing to talk to me? One of the kindest... (laughs) <laughs> selfless people that I've met in a while, Wes peeps up and says, Hey man, here's my number. Give me a call. Let's talk. Damn. I love tech Twitter. So Wes and I hopped on the phone and it was probably a 45 minute conversation that was just awesome and easy and very informative. And at the end of it, he's like, dude, you could be a Tammy. No problem. Like just, just go for it. Because there was a, there was a position I was looking to apply for. And I just wasn't sure. Like, I didn't even understand the role. I'm looking at the job description. I'm like, I think I can do this stuff. I'm not sure. Because in my mind, technical marketing. And, and you know, it's like you create content. So I, got, I like the technical stuff. I like to create content. So I thought like, oh, I'll just create technical content. As it turns out, it's not exactly the role. Um, because I just thought I would do... Well, part of it, right? But I just thought, oh, well, I'll just do like podcast type stuff, but technical stuff, and that'll be my job, and it'll be a dream job. But the TMEs I've met and worked with since then um, are way brighter than I thought, you know, way brighter than me. I'll, I'll just put it that way. They they go so deep in things. So um, that's right, just can the context. I interrupt of, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Because I want to, I'm going to start my asking dumb questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, have we said what? TME stands for? Did I miss it? Technical Marketing Engineer. Okay. Technical Marketing Engineer, right? Okay. So do we have like a general... Marketing and engineer don't seem... Right. They don't seem like they go together to me, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, but you got to think though, like marketing comes up with something and then 
says, oh, we can do this, right? And so you have to have somebody in the room that could say, this is dumb. We can't fucking do this. <laughs> and here's why. just says stuff, right? Like, yeah, yeah. we're just going to AI all the yeah. things and that'll be fine. There, there's two ways I, I quickly described TME. One is the nice way, which is like, I am the Lorax. I speak for the users, right? You're, you're the TME's job is to be the user in the company and be like, that's good. That's bad. I don't understand this. I'm not smart enough. There is, there is a skill to being like, um, I think the, the right term is like an expert beginner at, at things to where like you have a little bit of knowledge about a lot of things and you're really good at starting because if you're a true expert, then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, that is also easy. It'll be easy for everybody else too. The other way I put it is, we are the dude from office space that talks to the customers because you can't let the engineers talk directly to the customers. And the, the more I have time I spend as a team, the more I'm like, fuck, that is, that is, we all laughed at that guy. We all made fun of him. And now here we are. He was actually important. That poor guy. Like he (laughs) got fired. One of the most important people, that whole company. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think, and and this is where when Andy and I talked, he, when we started talking about you, you're doing the podcast and you've got operational experience and you, you speak to executive, you know, all these things like that speaks to me of saying like, okay, you can talk to people or talk at them, you know, whatever that is. Right. So that kind of bridges a lot of those gaps. And there's so many engineers that can't do that because they're, they're hyper-technical. They don't want to talk to people, whatever it is. And all of that is okay. But when you have that skill set, you need to be able to bridge that gap between the engineers that are writing C code in Israel and my my you know job, um, and the customer who has no idea or doesn't care how an FPGA works or you know whatever and just wants their product to work right. So you have to be able to bridge that gap, and just sending somebody from marketing in there isn't going to solve the problem because they don't speak the same language as a customer who's an engineer. That's where the the gap gets filled. You need to be a technical person that can speak the language of the customer can also speak the technical language with the the nerd guys and girls. I feel like, you know, yeah, uh, think, in all um, these com- I feel like in all these conversations that we've had um about skills that we need in tech have sort of touched on this a little bit, but we haven't really brought up any roles that really would, you know, any specific concrete examples of when you would use soft skills as an engineer, right? We talk about soft skills here and there, we touch on it, why are they important? You know, we bring up communication important between teams, blah, blah, blah. But actually there, it seems like the TME might be a role where you can actually bring, you know, your soft skills together with your technical skills. And that's actually a great example of, you know, a role where that would be very, very valuable. Right. And and I would say the other one that often feeds into technical marketing would be that sales engineer role. <clears throat> so often a sales engineer would be partnered with an account manager and depending on how technical your account manager is or how that works out, you usually have a pretty hard delineation between talking tech, but you still need to be able to talk to those customers. Um, and you need to build relationships and get to know your customer more, right? So that soft skill of being able to either present to them or build that relationship is also important as a, as a sales engineer. Um, and, you know, we've got a question here about, is it, pre-sales versus post-sale um you know pre-sales is you've got to develop that relationship build um faith in the product 
design the product, deliver the product. And then uh, from the post side, you still have to continue to manage that relationship, manage customer expectations. What is their experience like? And then continue to work with them to sell more down the road or whatever that is, right? Continue to meet their needs. And when I've interviewed people to come on to the teams that I work on, one of the, one of the, you know, good things that I see is if they've had a history of being in sales engineering or something like that, or they do talk to people. Um, and I use those as a good feeder to know that they can at least cover that portion of the job which, without asking a thousand questions about how they might do something. And, and to give a little bit more here, um, TM, TME, I think it's really important to state is um, a really, really broad job title. Um, some TMEs are like, I like to say, big M, little E. Like it's very, very marketing, very little engineering. And so, you know, they're, they're very much focused on PowerPoint slides and collateral and, you know, like technical white paper stuff. There are also little M, big E TMEs who are like in the lab, beating the hell out of chips to try to figure out exactly what are the limits and what does it work and what doesn't work. And so... For folks looking at TME roles, I think it's really important to kind of understand what is the day-to-day, what are the kinds of things that are deliverables from that role? Because some of them, it's going to be like, well, PowerPoint. Some of them, it's going to be, you're going to go in and you're going to like play with Ixia all day, every day in the lab and everything in between. And so um, for me, I've liked a lot of the mix, right? I want to go in the lab and get really technical and be really nerdy. And then when I get tired of that, I want to go and go speak at a conference and do something a little bit less technical. Um, some of that is also cyclical in which I do work in the lab, figure things out, and then build talking points and presentations out of that. But um, the reason I mentioned this to Wes's point is for my background specifically and why TME fit well for me, um, I came from Cisco TAC. I was in support, like big E. There is no M at all. Like, <laughs> I can't tell you how many SEs and account managers yelled at me for telling their customers this isn't supported. So they're like, I don't know, man, like, that's the answer to the case. It doesn't work. Not supported. <laughs> um, you know, for, for a good story, buy me a beer sometime and I'll tell you about the account manager who missed this quota because I told his customers it was their bad product. Um, <laughs> Pete, you just yeah. read my mind when we were in Asheville for the meetup. I got to sit with you for 15 or 20 minutes, you and like three other tech guys. It's probably the most fun 15 minutes I've had in such a long time. If So many great stories of just people in tech. Like, I can't imagine what you guys go through. I, it, I thought I had a bad at a knock, but tech <laughs> is next level. I mean, it's, it, but it's, it's ops at the end of the day. Like you are feeling like I felt Andy's pain every day, right? Because you're having the worst day of your career at that moment and you're calling me for help. Right. So you get this very, very strong empathy for customers and for users and for usability, because I'm also trying to troubleshoot the same thing you are. I'm like, well, why is this log message stupid? I hate this. This thing needs to go die in a fire. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. And then I left tech and I ended up doing what you could call post sales consulting at Cumulus, where I was dedicated to a single customer. And basically my job was like they bought a hundred. We need to buy that. We need them to buy the next thousand. 
And they're not going to do that unless this 100 switches is successful. So you get to live here until they love it hmm. and just do whatever they need. And, you know, that's just it's tack, but less urgent. And then I moved you into like that job. Oh, I hated it. Um, <laughs> that's that was not for me because uh, I don't have any chill. And so the idea of just kind of like waiting around for the for the problem <laughs> to happen is not. It's not my MO. Um, I can verify that he has no chill. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, and then I moved into pre-sales. And again, it's just like it all kind of happened by accident where I was like, I'm never going to be a salesperson. I'm not going to have a quota. That's unethical garbage. And they're like, uh, we need an SE in the Northeast. Pete lives in the Northeast. Guess what, Pete? You're SE now. And I was like, I, wait, what? Um. And so, you know, like I've kind of found my way, but it turns out all these jobs have kind of overlapping spectrums of roles. Yeah. And so a really good TME is kind of an SE. And there are things about being an SE that I'm really, really bad at, and I will never be an SE again, but make me a fantastic TME. And it's the same thing on the post sales side where at Cumulus, I worked super, super close with our post sales team. And both myself and our post sales team knew exactly when I needed to step away. They'd be like, that's, that's very cute. Wumpus. like, please just step away from the console. The, the adults are now here to fix the problem that you've created. <laughs> Can we uh, my mind. real Hello. quick? What is the difference between a sales engineer and technical marketing engineer? Because for me, it is not clear at all. Before you define that, before you define that real quick, I just want to state that I'm glad that Pete talked about the overlap because, you know, bridging the gap between users and engineering, being the voice of the customer, that seems like an SE's job, a TME's job, and I'm a product manager and it also is my job. So it seems like a bunch of people are doing similar jobs and it does get murky. And I, I, I yeah. wanted to ask that question. Yeah. So yeah, but I mean, back to your question, Lex, you know what? What's the difference, right? I mean, an SC is more sales driven, Let's right? Throw product manager in there too. Like, what are what are all the nuances? <laughs> so, I, so yeah, so so the other thing you'll see is you'll see technical product manager, and often mm. that's a T of me in disguise. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so so I've been both an SE and a TME. Have not been a PM because I like having open space on my calendar, um, but. I I would say the biggest difference that I have experienced is I don't have a quota. I'm not comped on a quota. I have one customer and that's my product. And then I am bringing the voice of the customer in, right? So like I don't own any customers. I'm not a TME dedicated to any customers. I'm dedicated to a product, just like a product manager. Yes, a product manager will talk to customers and they'll build roadmap and they'll work with engineering to kind of define what features are important. Um, TMEs kind of do that too, depending on the organization. Um, and yes, there's lots of fuzzy overlap in all of this. Um, but but yeah, the, the biggest delineation between an SE and a TME is there is no ownership of accounts and there's no compensation based on uh, quotas. My, my three best friends at Cumulus were the director of product management, the director of sales engineering, and the director of post-sales. And the four of us, we all had different relationships to each other, but like 
you know, there's some PowerPoint, uh, you know, graphic art thing that you can put in that's four circles with arrows pointing at each other about that relationship and, and who needs who for what. And so for PM, that relationship was a lot of like, um, the, the way I put it is like sales takes the feedback from their set of customers. Here is who my customers are and what they're asking for. And they go give that, you know, to product management. Product management collects all of that feedback from everybody and then decides what they want to ask and negotiate with engineering to get, right? Engineering can deliver in a, in a healthy organization, say 80% of engineering time uh, will, will be for new features. What is that 80% going to be based on is basically based on what the product manager says. So the problem is the product manager is like, that sounds really cool. I don't know if anybody actually gives a shit. Or the flip side, they might be totally oblivious to just the most amazing, coolest thing that has ever existed. And be like, I don't understand why anybody would want this. And the TME's job is to help product management that way. Right. So you, you end up being, uh, I always like to say, like, I'm a really bad product manager, but I can I can fake it when they're on PTO. And then as soon as they come back, I'm like, oh, thank God, please. Here's all of the stuff yeah. that I've. I've been I'm the bad substitute teacher. The kids have taken over the classroom. They're melting crayons on the heater, but nobody <laughs> died. Uh, I opened 3,000 Jira tickets while you were gone, by the way. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you look at the other relationships with pre-sales, I mean, I love talking to customers. And I would go, and I would talk to customers just like an SE would. But you are, in some ways, special forces, and it's not because you are smarter or better. Like, this is not a qualitative thing. It's a, like, my job is to come here and talk about this thing in a slightly less uh, subjective way, meaning, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, subjective way, meaning I don't care if you buy it or not. I mean, I want you to, but my salary this quarter does not directly depend on that. So I have some disconnect. But of course, I work for the company and I have the badge and like, I, I am an there's, interested. There's party. more credibility that comes along with that. Exactly. And so for SEs, you end up being there. And part of that is you can be bad cop sometime as a TME where the SE cannot. And a good TME and a good account team will like figure that out beforehand where they're like, they're trying to do this thing and it's terrible and we don't want them to. But we also can't tell them no. And so I can go up as a TME and whiteboard and be like, oh, definitely don't do this. This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Oh, what's that? You were going to do that? You probably shouldn't. I had no idea. <laughs> and then on the post-sales side, they're the ones using the product every single day. And you're using the product and thinking about customers. And again, having that, a more of a global view. And it, it's you end up being kind of the middle person between product management and post-sales where Post-sales thinks everything's terrible and they're the most miserable people you'll meet. Part of that's the job. Part of that's the people. Um, but <laughs> but you take their like their feedback about support and features and functionality and like common practices and designs to be like, wait, what are our customers doing? What is actually happening in the world, not just on the whiteboard? So that's well, and that's a long-winded way to kind of frame that for you. And what's cool about the TME role and all of this, by the way, this entire conversation is prefaced around in a healthy organization. Um, what's cool about the TME role 
is if you're taking all this feedback and you're seeing all of these higher level trends that are happening with your product, you can then start thinking about how can I build cool experiences for the customers from a demo perspective? How can we, um, how can we do podcasts or how can we reach them in different ways that they're actually consuming? Uh, what types of content would they want to see from us? Right. And a PM, a, pr- a product manager is not going to be thinking about those things completely directly. Right. They're going to think, oh, it would be cool if we could test drive our product on the website. But then it's it's not driven any further than that because then it's, all right, well, how, what's the logistics of actually delivering a product like this, right? And, and Wes, to, to interrupt you really quick, I'll say one of the things I say about that is like, who are you paying to be anxious about that thing? And like PMs aren't being paid to be anxious about that. Like TMEs are. Right. And I think that's that's kind of like as you you like think about everything that can possibly be done and who needs to worry about that and be anxious about it. Like that's how you start to bucketize those things in that spectrum. Sorry, Wes. Oh, no, you're OK. Yeah. So so I think that's one of the coolest parts of the job is being able to kind of look at those. I want to say global level trends of your product and figure out what will help drive the business. What will, what do our customers want to see? Uh, what am I seeing in the, in the broader industry that maybe people aren't seeing in our product, but it could do that? How can we then demonstrate that? Um, and then you dive into the lab and you start building it out. Does it work? Does it not work? Um, and then you start building those repeatable experiences or whatever, right? And I think those things become, and it depends on how your mind's wired, but for me, being able to, to, to develop a repeatable experience for my customers that, that showcases value that really like that gets me to open my laptop every day, right? Um, and I can tell you, like when I was at Nutanix, and we <clears throat> right when the pandemic hit, we we had just started building out Nutanix Test Drive, and we had twelve or thirteen TMEs, and we took a good portion of like three or four of us, and like that's all we did day in and day out was just build test drive. Um, and if you haven't done a Nutanix test drive, you should go do it because it's one of the best test drive experiences I've seen to toot my own horn and a few other people on the team. Um, by the way, I didn't do a lot of the work. Uh, I was just involved. <laughs> um, also a very but, common TME refrain. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, when you're able to build a repeatable experience like that, and then you're tracking it through a marketing pipeline, you can also show tremendous value back to the business. So I can say that that team helped build tens of millions of dollars in pipeline and, out of that, we went from having customers on the website for three to five minutes for a long session to 40. And when you're delivering a customer that spent 40 minutes with your product to a sales engineer and say, this is your customer, they've already used the product and they love it, you have a warm lead that's excited about it and they're more likely to close that sale. Um, is that typical yes, for TMEs that you're qualifying leads no well so that's that's a that's a function of the greater marketing entity that you live in but the experience that you built then gets tied into all of that you built that test drive which was people trying out the product right yeah yes we went from we went from like one like a, a really terrible interaction of our interface to having 16 of our products on the website so i'm guessing that you guys sat around and said how can we get people more engaged and get them more experienced and what can we build out? And I mean, that's well, and I mean, think about the use case, right? right? Like it was when the pandemic hit salespeople aren't going into offices. How are we going to get our product in front of people when it's an enterprise storage product? 
right? Huh. So, and, and I much, think this um, is. Um, it, sorry, sorry, Lucky. Before you ask your question, I'll, I'll just say I think there's two big things. I think one is again about like who, what are you anxious about? Right? What are the things you're paid to be worried about at work? And I think for technical marketing engineers, it's it's a lot of the gray area. What's the gray area between marketing and sales? What's the gray area between engineering and sales? What's the gray area between marketing and engineering? Right. And I think TME ends up kind of playing that zone defense to use a sports metaphor and a lot of those things. And I'll say, you know, to Wes's point, we had a very similar thing, uh, which we also called test drive, by the way, at, at Cumulus, where we had paid eight hour training and we're like, this is great if people can pay for it. I just need customers to not be spooked off. Because I'm like, this is Linux. And as soon as you show network engineer Linux, they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. I just, I'm uh-huh. maybe not. <laughs> yep. And so it's like, what we need. And so like, I, I presented a challenge to my team. I was like, I need eight hours into two. It cannot be two hours in one minute. It has to be two hours or less. Full stop. Just throw, throw everything off the race car, right? If it's going to add weight, chuck it out the window. And we did it. And we made it self-service and we had some videos on demand. And again, what do you worry about? And part of that is like, what is that marketing relationship? How do you measure starting to look at pipeline? Pipeline being like customers who might buy your product. Basically, did you did you do a thing that gave us your information? Did you register for something? Did you download something? Did you watch a webinar? And sales, which is like, did your potential actually turn into dollars? Right. And you just see like, you know, our work become some of the highest pipeline and revenue related products, you know, components in marketing that that's good TME work. Also, the fact that Wes and I are an echo chamber is why I hired him. (laughs) Um, So I want to spend like 30 seconds on pipeline and why it's important for, for a vendor specifically, but um, as somebody who was an SE for a long time, I would receive leads for my accounts. Often we would buy the leads, right? These would be people that reached out to some third or fourth or fifth party company and said, Hey, we might have an interest in buying storage, right? Or virtualization. And so we would take these leads and then go in and make cold calls and go into these accounts. And we would have to do so much legwork. But if you have a very, very well qualified lead that comes through, you already like it's it's I don't want to say slam dunk, but like the amount of effort that has to go into selling to that customer is way lower. Um, if, it if, also you've seen means, Glenn, if you've seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, high qualified leads are the Glenn Gary leads. And if yep. you haven't seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, put it on the calendar. Watch it. It's incredible. <laughs> Well, and the other side of that, though, is like the customers aren't wasting their time because they know they're interested in this, right? So when that salesperson calls, you're not annoyed and feeling like you're pressured into taking this meeting. You've already spent 30, 40 minutes with the product and you do want to talk to somebody, right? So I think that's, that's that's a bigger difference, too. We may have talked about this already, but were you guys network engineers prior? And the reason I'm trying to bring it back to, you know, it's right, so... So what? why I'm asking is, this is the art of network engineering, and we've just spent 20 minutes talking about pipeline and product and life cycle and feature. Like, this stuff's going to be bouncing off of people's heads. Like, I, when did this just become the product I mean, show? So I guess- None of this. 
none but of it. But you were a tech engineer. Well, right, exactly. So what I'm getting at is sales. I'm in tech. Like I wanted right, so, fewer sales right, so that I had right. fewer cases. Like so, if the company started spiraling <laughs> down the drain and going out of business, <laughs> my life as a tech engineer would have been exponentially easier. But you were you were a tech engineer. So were you a network engineer before tech? I mean, you how did you kind of sort of? I mean, I uh, I did not come directly out of college into tech, but uh, you you can consider that I had a, a highly paid internship right before I went to tech. So I was like, I was an ops for six months for a company before I went to tech. But like, I didn't know what sales was. I've never bought anything. Like I had no budget or authority or decision making. I've never bought anything that was purchased or sold. I've never sold anything that was bought, sold or processed. But that that's, that's why I'm asking what's behind that question is, you know, who can become a TME? What are the prerequisites? Right. You know, do you have to be a networking person? Do you just have to be a little technical? Can you be a computer science person? Like how, you know, and, and I want to, I also want to mention, well, I also want to mention TMEs get paid very well. I was pleasantly surprised when I started the interview and it was almost double what I was making, killing myself in prod. And I thought, oh my God, yes, I want this. This is amazing. Yeah. So I'm going to cut off Wes because I, I, I see him. Uh, waiting, but I think, um, number one, TMEs care, they care about the product. They care about their, their customers. Right. And I think there is, again, this is not a derogatory thing. This is not, it's a difference. This is different from SEs who are much more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like money driven, money driven, <laughs> the, function like, of the system that they like, live in though. Yeah, well, compensation like is set up that way, yeah. right? Yeah, they're like, they're like, this is going to, like, it's all about opportunity costs. Like, this customer is going to take me 20 hours. This customer is going to take me 10. They're going to drive the same revenue. I know where I'm putting in my 10 hours. Full stop. TMEs don't think like that. They think a little bit more broadly. They, like, the, the downside of being a TME is uh, it's a good way to burn out because you have to figure out how to have those controls over your care of the product over your care of your customers, over your organization's ability to deliver against your vision or your organization's vision or what you have a delusion that the vision is, um, <laughs> that can be really hard. Where again, as a product manager, you're looking at a set of tickets, how many of them, like it, it's much more like inputs and outputs in product management, it's much more inputs and outputs in sales engineering, much more inputs and outputs in support and post sales In technical man and technical marketing. It's super fluffy. And as a result, you have to learn how to control your empathy and apathy levers. And if you do a bad job, you just get like, you're just zero apathy, hundred percent empathy, and you feel every pain of a customer and you go crazy. And, and that, that's the hardest part about the job, in my opinion. Hey, A1 fans, still getting calls at 3 a.m.? Rest easy knowing that you've deployed Open Gear. They're the market leader, the gold standard. Their award-winning network resilience platform gives you always-on access on day one, every day, and during an outage. Sure, there's alternatives, but when it comes to your environment, wouldn't you prefer the real thing, you know, the OG? 18 years in business, seven best-in-class products, one comprehensive platform. What more could you need? There's plenty of reasons to choose Open Gear as your smart out-of-band vendor. What reason will you choose? 
Schedule a demo today to see how they stack up. Accept no limitations. Trust your network to the market leader. How do you interact with customers? Are you pulled in by SEs into like account calls? That's usually the, yeah, that's usually the pipeline. Um, And I will, I'm going to jump back three minutes to your question about, do you have to be um, a network engineer or whatever? So I, my, my background was a virtualization engineer and before that desktop engineering. And then I moved into the vendor world as an SE. And then I moved into tech marketing. So like there's, there's definitely multiple paths of entry into this. Depends on what portion of TME that you are probably going to fill too, right? Like there's going to be, there's, if you've got a team of 15, you're going to have skill sets that broadly vary, right? And it all depends on what's the product that you're selling, you're, you're covering, what's, you know, what's the business, and then what is, what's the strengths and weaknesses of your team. And if you've got a good director, um, you know, they'll start piecing that team together. Um, <laughs> He's pointing to himself if you're not watching the video. <laughs> um, they'll start piecing that team together to to make sure that you have people that cover different parts, right? Um, so yeah. Why did you go to a vendor? Because Comp. I, yeah, right. I mean, I just went to a vendor this past year, and I I could fluff it up by you know I mean I'm I'm helping make things better and I and but. It's a big jump, right? I've had people bust my stones like, oh, you're working for the enemy or, you know, however they frame it, right? Like, so these are all vendor roles, everything we're talking about, right? Product managers, TMEs, SE, like, so why do we go to vendors? Did you say comp, Wes? I cut you off. I mean, you so were... that was my original jump yeah. was because of comp. Uh, I was also right. extremely burnt out, but I love the product too. So I reached out to somebody that I loved the product and asked uh, it was my my se i asked him hey you guys have any openings and it's like yeah we've got a sled opening and i'm like i don't know what that is but i'll take it <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> i love toboggans <laughs> <laughs> and, and and originally i thought i was going to be an sre and go be in support and support the product and um but that required me to move and i wasn't willing to move so then i all right well i'll take this this sled se role Sled was a drag. It was terrible, but you know what? I learned a lot of good skill sets out of it, what, and it got me yeah. state and local government and education. Ah, okay. That was that was good times. Um, three hundred day sales cycles, yeah, things like that. It was it was good. Sleds, yeah. sleds, sleds. Uh, sled takes a certain type of person to enjoy sled work. Yes. Again, no chill. Bad at. Like the worst possible person for sled. <laughs> Pete, did yeah. you go to vendor life for comp too? Uh, no. Uh, lucky, lucky for me, I I like grew up really poor and didn't understand what money was, and I was like sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> You're so dumb for giving me all that money. Um, I mean, I now recognize still like how much money that is, but like in our industry, like that's you know. That's not a ton of dollars. Um, no, I I just absolutely hate not knowing the answer to things. Um, and that that is a huge... I was like, no, 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 no. I want to go shake down the person who built the thing. I'm like, or at least, like, have a database full of... Like, that I can, like, Google search through enough, like, emails and... Newsletters like I want to do legal discovery on the technology. <laughs> that is so relatable, Pete. 
right? Yeah, like this yeah. is like uh, yeah. Lexi. I don't think you understand how how much I feel every comment you have. I'm like, I I know you. I understand this. Every like, shitty I thing I tweet. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm like, I'm not just smashing a like button to be nice. I'm like, oh god, it's in my bones. It's in. It's deep in there. Where I'm like. You you mentioned like you your thing the other day about like oh I invented this twenty years ago but the guy some other dude at IETF was an <laughs> asshole so I didn't do it like that happened to me I had I couldn't remember the details but I remember having this ISIS bug and I was like who's this dude fixing my bug and I'm like oh he is the ISIS guy at Cisco like it's literally him like and it's not about that's not a comment on staffing like. He is the super distinguished principal, you know, King ISIS. And he's like, oh, that's really broken. And you created a great point. And I was like, yes, sir, I did. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> Don't show your back to the ISIS king. Like, you know, but there's for me, vendor life was like, I wanted to be able to go to the court of the ISIS king and ask him why this decision was made and either to be told, Oh, you're right, or no, you're an idiot. Let me tell you why. That's a huge and so that advantage. Was, mm-hmm. It was, and you know, there's like vendor life is great. It's not perfect. There's trade offs everywhere. Blah blah blah. Nothing's, you know, the grass is always greener. Uh, but it turns out that's just the reflection of the light. Can I ask, just from a day to day perspective, this has been sort of rattling around my brain since we started talking about like what. A, TME is and the differences, you know, between like your thought process throughout the day and what you're doing, how much autonomy, it it seems like a role that you would need to have a lot of independence, I guess. I'm not really saying it correctly, but like you need to have a lot of initiative. That's what I'm looking for. Initiative to start your project. You, you come up with an idea and you go for it. Is there is that how it goes or do you get any guidance from a manager or how does that work as a team, yes. especially a new so, one? So Wes, I want to, I'm going to cut you off just because I want to give a He's manager perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> I want to stop you. No, no, but I think, um, he does this in D and D too, by the way, Wes, Wes I, can mute, <laughs> I can mute him if you want no, to say no, no, something. We're good. We're good. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, but I think that, uh, besides the listening to the sound of my own voice, I do think there is a difference between the manager and the individual contributor perspectives, right? And I think that's that's kind of important. And so as a manager, as a director of technical marketing, um, my job is to know that the, sa- that the health, safety, and success of my team is entirely based on intangible political capital. And so our ability to exist is because... SEs like us, marketing likes us, post sales thinks that doesn't think we're idiots. Like we need these different functions and engineering wants to have a conversation with us. Maybe not every day because we're not smart enough for engineering, but like occasionally they'll at least entertain an idea. And so. Which is why a good director hires somebody from engineering to be a technical marketing engineer. I did that. He did. I tricked. I tricked the software developer into being a TME. Um, she's also the best TME we have. She's so, so good. God, I mean, I just that's that was the hardest part about leaving that team. I mean, Wes was okay, but like just being like, all right, super <laughs> duper rock star. I'm gonna not gonna watch you be amazing. Anyway, as a as a manager though, like 
you are watching kind of these different organizations and how they believe in you, what you've given to them lately on like, there's the outbound sign. Um, and again, this is different for every organization, different for every TME group. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Andy will have a conversation with Bushong and he'll have a totally different like perspective on this. But for me, it was like, look, I have to manage kind of the political capital of both. Where are we? How high or low is that reservoir? And what do I need that reservoir to be in the future? Right. What is it that we would like to do in the future? And who do I need to help me do that? Because if we've been ignoring the SEs and we're feeling like our metrics are poor and we're not generating a lot of pipeline, well, I, I need to refill that reservoir before I can start asking to go on roadshows and go meet with SEs and like go start talking to customers and, and doing stuff. So I think that's the one TME part. doesn't have to fill the pipeline, right? That's not their job. It, the it's products that we create do, right? Yeah. So it, the deliverables that we put out often do create pipeline. And it's not, I, so, so to be clear, like I don't think about pipeline on a daily basis. It's just an after effect of our job. Real quick, it's sorry. It's just really report. Quick, yeah. quick aside, because I, I realize there's another, I think I know what it means, but no one has defined it for me. The word pipeline, can we just very quick go over yes. for so listeners? Pipeline is, um, you'll hear the word pipeline and funnel used interchangeably. And it is the funnel of sales. So anybody who could possibly give us a dollar enters that funnel and then they shunt off as they decide not to. And then the people that come out the bottom of the funnel is a sale or a closed deal. That is somebody who wrote you a check. And so TME, you'll, you'll also hear a lot about top of funnel, middle and bottom of funnel. Top of funnel being like a billboard on the side of the freeway is top of funnel. Like, you don't know us. You've never heard of us. We just want you to go to our website so we can give you a cookie. That's top of funnel. Middle of funnel is like your second visit. You're looking for something specific. You've, got, you've actually formed a question. Bottom of funnel is like, maybe you're testing it. Maybe you're trying it out. Maybe you're like doing a bake-off. Like, you're, you're halfway committed, but you haven't written the check yet. And so... TME also thinks about all of those layers of the funnel, but a lot of what we do passively is building that top of funnel pipeline. So Wes's conversation about um, test drive earlier, right? It's self-service. You go do it yourself. The TME organization built that. Everybody that goes and does that now puts a check mark in the TME column. And so for, again, as a manager, I have to justify my team with something that has a number. Political capital doesn't do that very well. I need a, a number, even if I know that number is mostly bullshit. And so every single thing that my team built, we checked a box. We edited this paper. We ran this webinar. We were one of five presenters on this panel, whatever it was, that if marketing had a way to track it, I wanted to be like, ah, mm, wait a second, Timmy's fingerprints on that. And so then I can go and look back and be like, look, we didn't generate $30 million. I will never claim that, but our fingerprints are on $30 million worth of revenue. So that's kind of my, my big picture of the, the manager view. I, I think it's important for Wes to give his kind of his day-to-day -day view on technical marketing and 
you know, what is, what does that look like? And, you know, what, what drives you and what are you thinking about? It's hazy and blurry most days. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And have I taken my ADHD meds today? Um, So (laughs) Lumbus Lumbus put a flag a thousand yards out and I have to eventually get to that flag before he notices. Yes. Um, So there's a lot of inbound um, and depending on how your organization is structured, I'll get inbound either directly from product marketing or from PM or sorry, product marketing or product management um, from SEs or from my director or VP or, you know, some random schmo that sends me an email. Um, What's a typical request? What do they want from you? Usually it's uh, collateral, honestly, if mm-hmm. it's an inbound thing. Um, We're going to but, talk to a customer. We need to talk yeah. about this thing. We don't have anything that explains the thing well. Please explain and the thing well. 98% of the time the collateral exists and you send them a Google Drive link and you're done. Um, I mean, this is the nicest way possible, but um, sales engineers are some of the laziest humans that God has ever created. Um, <laughs> and they'd be like, hey, really hey do you have the latest pitch deck? There's Our also, next guest is going to be a sales engineer, just FYP. I, like, and then we're going to have you both like, back. He's a lazy piece of shit. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. For the last 10 minutes, please just shit on TMEs. Like, I welcome that. Uh, but no, I, the, the, uh, the thing is, is that TMEs also play air traffic control. And so because we're talking to all these functions, we kind of know where all this stuff is, where the SE is like, do we have a storage thing? And as a TME, you're like, oh, my God, I've been talking about storage every single day for the last six months. How do you not know where it is? And you're like, because you haven't thought about it since the last time a customer asked you. That's right. that's really what I mean. Like, it, they're not really lazy. It's just it's a different it's, thing. It's a function of what they're working on today, right? And that's the and from our perspective, and you nailed it. Like, I do this all day long. Why don't you know this, right? I market this all day long. Why don't you know this? And it's because there's three thousand SEs at our organization, and I haven't spoken to every single one of them, right? Like, um, so so from a day to day basis, um. What did, what did I do today? Uh, so I racked and stacked some some gear that I'm using um, to build out a reference architecture for our product. Um, and then I presented to sales leadership for a specific product, a new lab that we've designed. And by design, I mean I've literally just thrown it into draw.io and this is what we think we might build. Um and then I started kind of scoping out what that lab looks like. Like that was my day to day. Um, so Good question. Uh, yeah. What's a reference architecture? So, so in my case today, I, I'll, del- I'll deliver you exactly what I'm building. So, so I, our product, the Bluefield DPU is used by a lot of storage vendors to build storage appliances. Um, so what I want to build is a reference architecture, a design of here's how you could build a, storage appliance using our product. And here is some test code and some documentation around how it might be designed. So this product doesn't exist yet. So reference architecture is if this product existed, this is, this is the design you could go with, right? Um, In other companies, in other products, um, you could have a reference. So like something that we know is true and good and works, and then you can design your infrastructure around that. So like at Nutanix, there's a golden infrastructure reference architecture. It's like 300 pages long. Um, but it covers best practice or not? Kind of. Yeah. It's like a best practice meets. So we've you, actually built it. A networking specific example at Cumulus, we built a, 
a spine and leaf data center network of racks of servers, exit leaves to get out of that data center fabric. That was the right thing to do, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) We said this was our reference architecture. Here's the routing protocols to use. Here's how to do IP addressing. Here's how to do the configuration. Here's the associated automation with it. And our goal, and this actually is like, you want to talk about where post-sales and technical marketing works together. Our post-sales people were Ansible experts. And so it's like, I've got some ideas on how to do things, but y'all are the ones doing it every single day. And so I worked with them to help build that reference architecture to say, how do we not only want to design it on the whiteboard, but what does the config look like on the page? What does that Ansible automation look like on the page? And then again, as you think about those spectrums, that reference architecture, our goal was number one, look, copy pasta into your data center. If that doesn't work, use this. You know, I said this was the off the, off the, shelf, off the shelf suit or dress. Go get it tailored. Hire ProServe to tailor it. Right? We've got a whole team of tailors. We'll make this look a little bit better for you. Or put it in the trash because you've got all your own ideas and you know what you're doing. But then the other thing was that this became the conversation piece for all of our salespeople. All of our pre-sales started with that. It became like the, the common language, the lingua franca across the organization. And then that also ended up going into all of our documentation. And so wherever we meet a customer, right, this is the kind of things like team you start to think about is like, how do we cut, grab a customer in a technical conversation at anywhere along the line and draw that line across. And so if you're looking at document, if you're talking to a pre-sales engineer, they're talking about that reference architecture. If you're looking at our documentation, it uses that reference architecture. When you buy and you go talk to post-sales, it uses that reference architecture. When engineering goes and does QA, they're using that reference architecture. All of that, it's not exclusively TME, but TMEs are the ones who like have the anxiety to go annoy everybody to try to march in the same direction. We're like, uh, we're like the sheepdogs of an organization. <laughs> High energy, no chill, really annoying. Have you guys down. getting pulled into escalations? Nah. No. I know it's like org to org, right? But if I see a TME get pulled into an escalation, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, but. that would be rare. Um, yeah, okay. If, I, if I, I, I can think of maybe once or twice where I've been pulled in, but it's not to do work. It's more to observe and figure out where we fucked up. Right. So not then like I can customer has big problem. Oh no. Yeah. TMEs to look at it. Like that's not typical. It's, right? it's, yeah. We're not going in and engineering or solving problems. Yeah. Okay. yeah no. I, I mean, um, I would tell my customers, I would be like, I'm actually less good at this than the people helping you right now. Um, like it's no longer on the whiteboard. I'm significantly less effective. Um, it, it's not that I couldn't, it's about efficiency. Um, but a lot of it, it's like, you know, like it's also about insurance. Yeah. But it's like, oh, I'm going to copy my VP on this email. And you're like, okay. Like, I mean, there's visibility. Somebody cares. Like, and so for a lot of these escalations that I would get pulled into, I'd be like, I am aware of this problem. I care about this customer. So one, if I feel the need to, I can go reach out to that customer directly. But two, in the off chance that, you know, the organization is not doing what they should be, I can go like, yell at multiple functions who are not talking to each other. 
right? Like we, if SE saying one thing and engineering saying another, I'd be like, all right, marriage counselor time. All three of us are going to sit in the room. Yeah. And the, the relationships that we build because we're that hub in a huge wheel, um, you know, gives us that ability to reach into engineering because we know that, you know, Jane Doe wrote that code. Um, and we can, you know, not necessarily connect them directly to a customer in that problem, but it's more of like, all right, how are we actually going to solve this once this case gets closed? And then we can you know, kind of drive in that direction. Um, it's, it's, a, it's so, uh, to color a little bit more for you, Lexi. So yes, I like today was an RA and then I delivered a diagram on a sales call. Um, but then, you know, if I dial the wheel back a couple months, I was providing life support for a project that we were working on that just would never fucking ship. And <laughs> it is actually oh. shipping. Um, but, uh, you know, it was all, all hands on deck. Like this version of uh, firmware doesn't match this version. And why doesn't this hardware work in this box and you know, all those things. And cause a lot of the stuff that we touch is pre-release it's alpha. It's barely working in engineering and somebody drops it in our lap and says, here, do something with this. This is what right? blows my mind about the role. They'll like give you something like, why doesn't this firmware work with this box? You have to figure that out. Like, well, I don't no, know. Kind of. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know why it doesn't Sometimes. work. Um, so so yeah, there, the, there is the, this, there There's is a, problem uh, solving, definite oh, problem God, yeah. solving. Well, that's a dumb way to put it, right? Like, what I mean is, like, I, I think we're sort of hitting this line between, like, okay, TME and like your. We were talking about sort of traditionally, like, being on call and fixing problems yeah. in the moment, right? Like, we're, we're sort of we're problem like solving a at a product level. Okay. Yeah, but the hard rather problems, than like right, like hard technical, like we don't know why this is happening. If you tell me yes. firmware is it working on a box and to figure it out. But I'm not. Damn, if I I'm not know. working on that firmware. So, I'm saying so this comes. This shit to, isn't working here. I'm pushing it back to engineering, so and here's engineering why it's not working. Right. So, so I'll I'll jump in and say I think there's a disconnect <clears throat> here, um, in which, again, I, the TME's role is entirely predicated on political capital. Every I don't know what that means. We ask, I, I wanted to ask earlier. So, what's political capital? Um, yeah. Sorry. That's thank you. Who likes you? Uh, polit- Yes. What? Like, how I much karma do you have? <laughs> Who likes you? Uh, like, influence, how many? Right? Like, yes, yeah. influence, upvotes, okay. give a yeah. shitness, however you want to put okay. it. Like, I, I got it. All and right. so, so the problem is that as a TME, if you're like, this doesn't work, and you go to engineering, you just spent one of your little, little karma tokens, right? <laughs> and you only got so many of those. And so as a TME, you end up spending you go to like 140% of like, no, 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 this is super broken and this is not what it's supposed to do. So when you go to engineering, like we don't always, so that there's also a difference between TME and support in which um, as a support engineer, and I'm, I'm not going to speak for Wes here, but as a support engineer, I was significantly smarter about the products I worked on, but I had way less time. As a TME, I have more time to work on it, but I have way less of an idea. And so I was more likely as a TME to make a stupid mistake. But if I didn't make a stupid mistake, I got really deep. As a tech engineer, I'd be like, all of my work is good. I didn't do enough work. If that makes sense. Like, I could have gone deeper. I could have done more research. This smells pretty broken. I'm now passing it off. As a TME, like, I basically want to get to the last line of that mathematical proof. And then hand it over to engineering and be like, What's wrong? 
fix it, solve it, right? Mm-hmm. You, you want to go that extra mile. You can't throw the that. problem over the fence to engineering until you've given them some more data that didn't exist. Like, hey, here's what or, I saw. Or you do it like you tie your, you like duct tape your problem to like a six pack and like a bag of Reese's and check it over. You're like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no idea. This is so terrible. I do not have a well formulated question. <laughs> <laughs> that happens and, like, to, and, yeah. and you include a couple hundred dollar bills <laughs> yeah. but, like, but to your question Andy like, I think where you're coming from is like I can't imagine being like I clicked the install thing and it just didn't work WTF how do I troubleshoot this and there's either you have some knowledge and some background or the time to just like dig and like yeah. be a technology archaeologist right? or you duct tape, you know, a 12 pack to your question. Like those, our method both of, of those things happen. Our method of troubleshooting and figuring out why something doesn't work is all about building context so that engineering doesn't waste a ton of resources in fixing the problem and they fix the right thing. Because we have the context from either the customer or from my fuck ups in the lab or something else that I can build that context document it and then send it over the fence. Right. Um, and using his analogy, the more context we build, the fewer tokens we expend when we send it back. That makes sense. I'm going to have to bleep every F word, Wes. I'm sorry. You said I could swear. (laughs) You're children in the cars listening. You're joking, Andy. (laughs) I don't, I, I don't know. I might be, I might be joking. I, I have two questions Shipbird I have to ask, and we're here. getting close to the end. Yeah. Shitbird, do you have a question? Because I don't no, want to step on said... you. <laughs> well, I was just trying to Google real quick. Like, where the TMEs haven't always been around, right? Is this a semi new role? Did somebody make this up 10 years ago? Have there always T- been TMEs T- with technical products? TMEs have existed at Cisco since before 2009 when I started. That, I want to say they created is, them, right? I feel like somebody told me Cisco created the TME role for reasons. That wouldn't surprise possibly, me. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. And I think that's actually one of the places where if you meet a TME at Cisco, some of them are just IETF people. Like they just write standards and like go to IETF conferences and it seems like a pretty fucking cush life. Mm-hmm. One of the TME roles that I got rejected from was super focused on competitor intelligence. Right? Like we buy the Juniper box and the, uh, I don't even know who the other competitors were at that time. This SP space was this, this is a service provider routing. And we're like, Oh, well, Nokia. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, if we blast this multicast stream with this type of MPLS thingamajig and this like super nuanced thing, it's a piece of crap. You shouldn't buy it. Would you trust your family with this multicast stream? I wouldn't. Like basically how do you build the political, like the political negative ad out of the, the, right. the competitor's product? Like that sounds awesome. Um, and then some of them, like I said, are like more salesy and they're just like, they look like PMs that look like SEs for a product and you know, or any mix in between. So I can say that I've seen a big mix of them at Cisco since at least 2009. Okay. I have two things. So one, I'm glad that earlier you mentioned the big M literally and then the inverse of that, because after I talked to Wes, I had a five, <laughs> five day interview hell 
scape with some company who shall remain nameless because I didn't get the job for a TME role. And at the end, they told me that I wasn't technical enough, which is fine. That totally did, didn't hurt my imposter syndrome at all. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've always kind of like I'm technical, but I, I feel like the marketing stuff is much more intuitive to me and like, hey, you know, the, the talking to the customer and the empathy and what's the problem and how can we, as opposed to the super deep technical stuff. So I'm glad that you said there's a wide range of it because it, it really hurt my ego. And then I stopped trusting Wes because I'm like, well, Wes told me I could be one and you people didn't hire me. So Wes is, is a liar. Which is why he's a PM now. Because he didn't <laughs> trust me. <laughs> um, I mean, and, look, and the other I'm, thing- I'm just sensing a data, a, a pattern here. Wes <laughs> talked to Andy. Andy didn't become a TME. I hired Wes. I quit. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good pattern. Nobody thing, call me. <laughs> what, 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 one thing I didn't mention was that at the end of that conversation, Wes opened up his Rolodex to me and said, here are five people, their name and numbers that you should go talk to. Mike Bouchon was one of them. And he hired me and gave me the, the, the dream job of my life that I'm in now. So um, it, it was a very selfless, generous thing to, you know, to help pretty much a total Twitter stranger. The only other thing I was thinking of, did you guys have a hard time learning the business, right? Like going from tech to like product and pipeline and SCA and SA. And like, there, there's a lot of business stuff that I've learned the past 11 months that I didn't know anything about. And I didn't really have a background in business. So, you know, if you want to be a Did TME, you have a hard like, time learning it? Did I? Yeah. Well, it was just so it was foreign. I, I didn't know what they were talking about. The, the terms, the acronyms, like anything, if you don't know, right? Like it, going into vendor, like, learning like about the, business. It's like the first half of the CCNA where you're like, what the fuck is a MAC address? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, it, like it's not hard. <laughs> you just, right. it's so foreign. Similar. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so right. like to Lexi's question, like, <laughs> what is pipeline? Like, the, like I was a TME. I was in the role and I kept being in these... I was literally in a sales call or like an internal sales. Um, I can't remember what they call them. Like the weekly review of sales deals uh, with oh, the is CEO. Okay weekly there? I hear a lot of sirens. Is everything okay? The you need to evacuate. I'm closing, I'm closing, no, it's okay. I'm closing the window. <laughs> that's that's no, the weekly just, root canal. I want to make sure you're okay. Are you safe? The, the weekly root canal. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the weekly sales review. And I literally asked him, I was like, what is the pipeline? Yeah. Like in front of a whole room of salespeople who like live and breathe, it'd be like standing up in in the middle of an engineering meeting, like what's an what's an IP? Like I, I like I felt very dumb in retrospect, but at the moment <laughs> I was like, you have to ask that I question, right? Too, I'm too dumb to know how dumb this is. Right? Like, right. That's part of the process. It's not a prereq. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I um, think it was like you could totally do this job and not understand pipeline. It's just, it's, but you have to be technical and you have to be able to talk to people. Technical ish. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I, you, you have to have one. So I, yeah. I will say, um, wait a minute, Pete, wait, 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 you hire TMEs. What do I need, dude? I'm a it, guy this, listening this is, to the show. I want to go to a vendor, make money, help customers be technical. How do I impress Pete Lumbus TME manager guy? Like, how do I get the job? What do I need? I love dark chocolate and peanut butter. <laughs> he also likes echo chambers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See also Wes. Um, 
You know, Jordan's the takeaway Jordan for the, the listener. Chat. How do they get the job? You know what I mean? I, I, I think Jordan in the chat puts it well. Like it's easy, it, it's easy to teach yep. tech. Like it's hard science. It's hard to teach soft skills. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. But I think more than that, I think coming back to, you know, Andy, your struggles is um, a lot of it's what does the team need? Um, so I thought a lot about the balance of our team. So Wes has a storage background. Wes, Wes and I, when we first talked, he's like, I don't know anything about networking. I was like, yeah, I am a CCIE. I have a CCIE on the team. We got acquired, like our whole company is network engineers. I don't know what a hard drive is, brother. I need storage and compute and virtualization. Like I need a different skill set in this team right now. And the networking stuff, you're smart enough to figure out to the point where you can ask somebody on the team a question. And vice versa, like I can go hammer on a storage problem and then ask Wes to like kind of get you over, get me over the hump. So that's number one is what does the team need? And I think number two on that, right, that's that's the technology space. I think number two on that is the hard versus soft skill space where I was able to pull somebody from engineering into technical marketing. Um, She had done some technical marketing what I would qualify as technical marketing work. She'd made some videos, written some blogs. And I was like, I think you would be phenomenal at this role. This might not be a forever job for you, but you have enough. You have to have some, you can't have zero tech and you can't have zero soft skills. What were you basing that on? I missed this setup. Did she have a blog or something? She had done a number of blogs for, she was an inside engineering at Cumulus. She had done blogs. She had done some videos like, she had been very proactive in some of her kind of, you know, marketing Creating stuff content. on the features. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she'd created some content. And that's, I mean, this comes back to like the whole portfolio. Like if you have a portfolio, it's way easier to hire than your uh, potential to build a portfolio. Um, but I also knew that between Wes and the other TME on our team, we had the customer facing stuff down 400%. Wes is outstanding in front of customers. The other person on the team, Justin, was outstanding in front of customers. Like, it did not matter what Honorata could bring to the table, like that she'd never been in a sales call, that she'd only ever been an engineer her entire career. Because I knew we could figure that out. Like, you kind of do a training wheels process to get that person there. But her technical depth was so amazing for our team, that gap. And be like, I, I, I don't want to hear you complain about your skill set. You are going to boost our team to a greater degree than you can possibly imagine. And because everything that she takes for granted are all of the huge, massive gaps in the minds of myself, of Wes, of Justin, the other team, the other team who come from the user side. And so... You know, to make you feel good about yourself, Andy, I think you I could good be a TME. <laughs> uh, good, good. All right, then never mind. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> not, I, I think it has a not, lot not more. Not the realm of a TME, but. Oh, but it has a lot more to do with what, is, what does our team, what did that team need? What does our team need yeah. at that time? And so um, I've never interviewed you. I don't know your resume, but I can tell you that when I was hiring the last time, we really needed deep, deep technical knowledge on the hardware. 
We needed somebody that understand it at a level deeper than a user because we had three users on the team. Three of three people had been users at some point in their life. So it depends, right? right? It's just going to depend on the team you're building and the need you. Absolutely. And that is, that is actually the biggest challenge with becoming a TME. And I would say to anybody listening, like, don't be discouraged. Like I said, I got rejected from three different TME roles before I eventually stumbled into one like five years later. Um, because like you're just, it's a, it's a time and a place and a fit, right? You might be the most technical person and they're like, look, we just need, like, we've got four nerds on the team for the love of God. We just need somebody who can go to a conference. Like <laughs> if we miss another nanog, my VP is going to kill me. See, that's the TMA right, role right. I was looking for. I can do my yeah. hair and smile at a conference and talk some some smack, you know what I mean? But they're like, no, right. we need, you know, you got to be able to see the matrix. I'm like, God damn it. And, and that's the flip side. It's like, <laughs> I don't, I can't see the matrix. Like I can, I was yeah. like, what's that? I think, no, maybe. <laughs> right. And so when we hired, when I hired Anurata onto the team, that former engineering person, that like what, I could have hired a lot of different people for that role, but like, there could not have been a person more perfect than somebody who had a deep understanding of hardware and a, and a proven ability to communicate it. And she is very, very good at that. And, you know, we're all good at different things at different levels. And, you know, I would put Wes on stage at a keynote, depending on the conference before her, maybe, but it depends. But like, she's also one of the smartest people I've ever worked with in my entire life. So like, I'm not, I'm not disparaging her. It's a strengths and weaknesses and trade-offs. Yeah. And just thinking about strengths. We just talked to Bushang about that last week. You know, you, you got to know your strengths and her strengths are different than West strengths. Maybe put them together and they're a perfect, you know, dream team. Uh, last question. Cause I, I know we're at the end here. Um, why did you leave Pete? You, you said you were recovering TME. Did you get burnt out and you just wanted out or just different opportunities? Um, or none of my business. I hope, and we can edit it no, out. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I um, leaving my people was the hardest thing that I've ever done. I'll, I'll say that, no doubt. I think that um, Wes, Honorado, who I just talked about, and Justin, where um, I, I felt so goddamn lucky to have gotten those three people together on a single team, and I saw some of the work that they were doing and were able to do. Like it blew me away, and I knew our potential. Um, as we talked about earlier, like I have no chill and post acquisition, uh, we are in a place that requires a lot of patience and chill. Like what startup me was used to doing in like six months now takes like 18, 24, yeah. maybe never. Um, that was really, really hard for me to just slow down. And I think, for me as uh, a director, it's very like, I couldn't just like rest and invest. Like I have these people who want to be able to deliver. They are relying on me. I have these external organizations that are relying on my function. My performance directly impacts like the political capital of my team and their ability to function. And I was like, I, I don't believe we can function. I do not like the speed at which we're moving. I do not feel I can satisfy the people that work for me. This is no longer my home. 
that that was mainly it. Acquisition. And so, yeah. That prompted all that? Some kind yeah. Of merger I mean, I, 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 was, I mean, the, I, I'd been going too hard too fast for a while. Um, acquisition kind of made it worse. And I had personally tried a couple of different avenues to make it better for myself. Um, but it was just, it was a new organization. Like we were, we were the little fish in a small pond and now, you know, I'm sorry, the big fish in a small pond. And now we're, we, we like downgraded from fish to like, uh, algae (laughs) to minnows (laughs) into the ocean. Like we were just plankton at that point. And you're like, we're going to change the tides. And you're like, brother plankton. Um, (laughs) And that that was just really hard for me. It was a hard transition. Yeah. I mean, I put sixty percent on me, sixty percent of on me. The other forty percent again, buy me a beer, and I'll talk to you about it. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just got crispy fried, burnt out, and now I'm an individual contributor writing docs. And you know, I even to talk about the big umbrella of TME as the director of TME at Cumulus, I took on the docs team. And I started making my docs people to do TME work. Like, you're going to do a video. You're going to do some stuff that's more marketing in the docs. But, like, it's all about, like, how much flexibility is there in that material. If it's in the docs, it can't be flexible. It has to be factual and accurate and true. But it doesn't mean that there isn't space to start to bring marketing into that. Right? Hey, you're looking at the EVPN chapter. Did you check out our EVPN webinar? This EVPN book? Right? Those kinds of things. And so, you know, for me, I was like, I like docs. This is a deep passion of mine. I've done it before. I'll go not have to make any decisions and learn technologies along the way. Awesome. So, uh, so I want to leave the audience with a couple things. Um so, and I, I, I also wanted to cut Pete off on his last two words because he's been cutting me <laughs> off the whole time. <laughs> um, Justice. <laughs> so, <laughs> I one of the one of the cool things that happens as a result of being a TME is you have a body of work that is largely public. Uh, you have a lot of public deliverables that happen, and you can then put those on your resume, or you can very easily point to them when you're in a job search or you're looking for something interesting. to do. Um, you know, when I was talking to Pete and I'm not sure if he looked at him or if he even cared, but like I had and still do Nutanix test drive, uh, redo of the Nutanix Bible and a YouTube channel that we built. And like all of those things were public that I can reference and say, this is material I've built. I can reference talks that I've given at, at shows. I can point out a product and say, I, I helped build this or, you know, I delivered this webinar or whatever it is. Right. So you get to build this body of work that is very public and gets marketed. Like the company puts real marketing dollars behind something that has your face on it. So like, if you're talking about building a standing in the tech community, a lot of times those tech marketing engineers get to build that personal brand and it's funded by the companies they work for, which is pretty damn cool. I'll say I recently listened to Wes talk on a, um, another podcast that for anonymity's sake, we'll call Ackett Ushers. Uh, <laughs> we like those cheap. guys. You can say packet pushers. <laughs> not cheap. Yeah. That was a sponsored episode. Yeah. Oh, deep pockets. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
but so that you know i get to go in front of those audiences right and um you know it helps i i know ethan so when we were like oh hey we have some extra marketing dollars to spend maybe we could throw them this way right like it's like yeah let's hop on there and we can talk about our product or whatever it is um but it, it's cool to be able to build that body of work and have it published for you because you get your name out there and you know, the opportunities start flowing in too, right? And what I found is the deeper I get into TME, the less shitty my LinkedIn recruiter responses are because I'm getting like inbound direct to me rather than them doing a LinkedIn search of people that meet this criteria, right? Um, so it's it's a it's definitely an interesting inverse that I've seen. Um, but it's also like it's a really interesting gig because it changes so much throughout the week, throughout the year. Um, I think like Pete said, um, you know, if you get burnout, super deep technical stuff, switch gears and go write a talk, right. Or, you know, um, go build a, write a white paper or edit a blog or, you know, do what, like, there's so many places that you can infect in, infect, inflict change on a product <laughs> or on a market in this role that you can really vary what you want to work on, um, even if it touches just a, a few pieces of your skill set, or if you get really dull or you want to enhance a part of your skill set, you can go spend more time on that. It's pretty and, cool. And I'll, I'll say is like three, three concrete pieces of thing, like collateral that I had produced as a team to give you that, that perspective. Um, one, I helped create some, um, configuration knobs inside of Cumulus to, make configuring eVPN easier called like auto BGP. So you've literally router BGP auto spine auto leaf. Like I don't care about the ASN, just do it. Right. That requires understanding the technology and the protocol and the design and like working with engineering and like not a marketing thing. I did uh, a super deep dive on, I mean, super deep dive, but like a user level deep dive on ASICs that I delivered at Nanog I did on packet pushers and a lot of that came out of both my tech knowledge, but also like doing competitive analysis and saying like, what's a deep buffered switch versus shallow buffer versus a chassis? What does this mean? Why are customers complaining about it? And then I think the third one is, like I said, just like, Hey, take this existing eight hour training, chop it into two hours and just market the hell out of it. Like, so we're, we're not even really creating anything new. It's very big M marketing to try to like just drive that sales pipeline. And so it super depends on the organization. It super depends on who your boss is. Um, it depends on your reporting structure. Like, are you in engineering? Are you in marketing? Are you in sales? Are you in something else like as a vertical? Um, but it, it is a super huge tent on what can be delivered. Very cool. Thanks so much guys. You got anything else, Lex? No, this was an awesome dive into TME role. Thank you guys so much for being here and talking with us. Thanks for, for coming us. on for sure. Uh, where can folks find you two on the interwebs? Uh, just west.today be my website. I've, uh, since the muskification of Twitter, I've mostly logged off. So. I, uh, like at the end of uh, Dr. Strange Love, I'm riding that bomb directly into the ground, <laughs> swinging my cowboy hat around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Pete CCDE. Well, it's still valid, maybe. But uh, look, let's push on the stick and just drive it straight into the mountain. I 
We all know where it's going. Just let it happen. <laughs> Shotgun. I'm with you, Pete. <laughs> and you can find Lexi. Where are you at, Lex? Track I am... I'm on like 5 billion different platforms since the muscification <laughs> happened. So not only am I on Twitter as track it pacer, I'm on Twitch, YouTube, some email, everything, Mastodon, all the stuff. It's everywhere. And you, and Andy, where in, do we find you? <laughs> soon to be in space. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm quitting everything. I'll just be on this podcast. Just oh. call me. I'll, just, so, I'll give you my number. Just call me. You just, you just, just, you just open me. the window and just scream, go Eagles. <laughs> and he shows up. <laughs> Exactly. Well, that's where you can find all these lovely folks. You can find our show on Twitter, uh, you know, as long as Twitter's around at um, Art of NetEng, Instagram, also at Art of NetEng, Facebook. Uh, we have a thing on LinkedIn. Um, you can uh, also support us via Patreon if you like. And we just uh, updated our merch store, which is at artofnetengecom forward slash store. And as always, we have about 5,500 members in our Discord, what I call study group. That is at artofnetengecom forward slash I-A-A-T-J, which stands for It's All About the Journey. AJ started it two and a half years ago um, during the pandemic, and uh, that's how we all met, and that's how we're here, and it's an awesome community. So uh, all of you looking to bail on awful Twitter time, uh, our Discord is also another great place to come check out. So um Thanks so much for coming on, guys. Awesome talking about the TME. Great to see you, Lex. And we will catch you next time on the Art of Network Engineering. Hey, y'all. This is Lexi. If you vibe with what you heard us talking about today, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcatcher. Also, go ahead and hit that bell icon to make sure you're notified of all our future episodes right when they come out. If you want to hear what we're talking about when we're not on the podcast, you can totally follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Art of NetEng. That's Art of N-E-T-E-N-G. You can also find a bunch more info about us and the podcast at artofnetworkengineering.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.